Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now, we're delighted to say that this Spurs show is supported by Manscaped, the world champions of men's below-the-waist grooming, topiary of the old uh, meat and two veg, if you like. Now, you may ask, Theo, do you, uh, do you do a little bit of trimming around those parts? To which I would reply, mind your own business. But what I can tell you is lots and lots of men do these days. And Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they've just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawn Mower 4.0. That's right, the 4.0. And now you can join 2 million men worldwide, over 2 million men, who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPURS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Spurs 20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. With Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Trust me. Leagues Apart is a new concept in football gaming, focusing on teams rather than players. The game simply asks you to predict the outcome of the Premier League, Championship, League One and Two, as well as the Women's Super League. You then get points whenever your predicted top team wins games and points when your predicted bottom team loses games. There are also some brilliant prizes up for grabs and it's completely free. Leagues Apart is brand new and it also includes weekly challenges on a wide range of sports to truly test your predictive powers. And the extra points you get from these extra challenges will be added to your overall score. In addition, you can battle against me and Mike Lee and other Spurs show guests in a special Spurs show league, and you can win prizes over the season in that too. So sign up for free at www.leaguesapart.com and join the Spurs show private league with code SPURS. That's leaguesapart.com, league code SPURS.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Spurs fans around the world, welcome to another Spurs show. It's Theo Delaney here in the United Kingdom, and I have got two good guests with me. In fact, I'd call them top draw, and they're here to discuss the current state of Tottenham Hotspur. First of all, welcome back, barrister Jake Richards. Welcome, Jake. Hi, Theo. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you in North London? In North London, I'm about uh, two miles from the ground. Lovely. So uh, always, that's where I live. Always feels good to be near the ground. Love it. Keeping it real, keeping it local. And joining me also, the television director extraordinaire, Mr. Simon Delaney. How are you, Simon? Very well. I'm excellent, thank you. I'm I'm uh, I'm your northern correspondent this week. I'm in I'm in Manchester. You're in Manchester uh, on a production, aren't you? You're pre- I know you're prepping a TV. What's the TV show you're prepping? Uh, well, I can give, do a bit of plugging. Uh, a show called Brassic on Sky One. Very good. Brilliant. I can recommend it. I've never worked on it before, so I can say it's very good. And um, just to say, before we get into serious Spurs stuff, uh, twice in the last week, I bumped into um, my neighbour, who's two floors up from me, none other than Mr Pep Guardiola. Seriously? So, oh, wow. Yeah, he's, in my, he's in my block. So the other day I heard all this Spanish chat going on and... Uh, it's Pep and his mate walking through reception. So um, I was I was sorting something out of reception, but I very quickly made my excuses and left to follow them. By the time I'd got out there, he'd been surrounded by um, uh, local construction workers. He was taking selfies with all of them before getting into his car and driving himself off. It was honestly the smallest car I've ever seen an actual adult in. It was like a kind of granny's car, but that, that's the car he was driving. Wow. So that, and then last night I saw him as I was coming back in. He was uh, Sorry, I was coming out and he was going in. And I did that thing where I accidentally forgot that I didn't know him. So I said hello <laughs> yeah. to him. And to his credit, he was on a phone call, but he nodded and smiled and sort of Great. said Great, but you, you might well get to, because you're up there for some time on this project, aren't you? You might, you might get to know him. I'm up here for some time, but not as long as the project he's been up here. So I think no. he's lived in this block for, <laughs> since the beginning. And, but I mean, uh, all I can say is, I mean, obviously we are on a bit of a tangent here, but they must have got you some nice digs if you're if you're in the same apartment block as one of the highest paid football men in the world. I have a very modest but nice flat. The top floor is owned by the um the the Middle Eastern royal family who own Manchester City, the penthouse and he's oh, got right. a hot, so I've just got a flat. You've he's got, got the standard flat. He's got the two floor duplex penthouse. He's got the top floor, yeah. Love yeah. it. Okay. Well, that is you'll have to keep us informed on that one. I, I, I will do. that could be great. Could run and run. Yeah. yeah. Well, back to matters Tottenham Hotspur. So Tottenham, as we speak, of course, and it seems like it's, this has been the case for some time. It's like when the internet freezes. We had a bit of that earlier because Tottenham are still top of the league and Arsenal are still bottom of the league. And that is a wonderful thing. And that is why any Spurs fans, us included, wherever you see a Spurs fan at the moment, they're grinning. They're absolutely so cock-a-hoop. Now, there's plenty of things still to happen before between now and the end of the season I rather suspect that gap will be reduced but um, setting us up for the next phase of the season of course was the recent transfer window which I think the last show was actually recorded not quite uh, just before the transfer window shut so I wondered if it might be a good way to start before we anticipate forthcoming fixtures to do a little review of where we how well we think we did in the transfer window Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sum up the list of ins and outs here so that we can consider it. Coming in, Pierluigi Gallini from Atalanta, the uh, goalkeeper, as a, as a you know, straight, uh, initially at least a second-choice goalkeeper. Uh, Brian Hill from Seville, the box of tricks, 
winger who looks like one of the Beatles. Christian Romero, the uncompromising Argentinian centre house, who presumably has got a range of shithousery in his uh, repertoire. One would certainly hope so with those sort of credentials. Defender of the year last year in Syria. Papa Matassar, who is the, uh, the wonder kid from Mets, who we've loaned back. And Emerson Royale, the brilliantly named uh, right back from Barcelona, Brazilian. I mean, how exotic is that? And he's already very high profile on uh, social media. Those are the ins. Leaving us were Foyt, uh, Lamella, Alderweireld, Joe Hart for a fee, would you believe? And then lots of uh, Musa Sissoko, of course, who came back very quickly and played against us in the last game. And then a lot of uh, kids and reserves. Uh, the only other one with a fee was Dennis Serkin, who went to Sunderland for a million quid. Jake, how do you see that as a transfer window? As transfer windows goes, do you think that's a good one? Seven out of ten. I think um, we had to get rid of a lot of players and I think a lot of the outs have been quite good. So Sissoko, Lamella, even Alderweireld, great players for Spurs over the years, well, Sissoko and Alderweireld anyway. <laughs> but, you know, they got, they got to a stage where time to move them on and actually moving players on is half the battle in a transfer window. Yeah, and especially getting any money for those players, I think is quite good. In terms of the ins, Romero is obviously the one that could be a game changer. You know, this guy is meant to be one of the best centre halves potentially in world football in the next few years, um, yeah. and it's hoped that he could really change us. Um, Hill or Gill it looks incredibly exciting, but not this season. You think Europa Conference, maybe the Cups, but probably that's one for the future. I still think what we're missing is a replacement for Ericsson. And it's now, I know that I'm not the only person to think that, but there's no one in the team considering Ndombele doesn't fancy it. Lacelso is busy. I'm sure we'll talk about that in South America. He's not going to play much football this side of Christmas. Do we have a player that's going to unlock defences? And that's who I really want us to go out and get. But look, it's still good. Um, it's refreshed. I think our squad looks pretty solid. Um, the right back could be quite interesting. We'll see whether he pushes Tanganga out of the team over the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's exciting. It's exciting. Simon, what do you make of it? Well, just to say, I've never met Jake before, but I, I kind of half love him and half hate him because when you asked the question about, uh, I'd written down two things here, seven out of 10, weirdly, and yeah. he's already hit that line. And I've put, uh, put down um, lock picker, which is what I call the Ericsson yeah. Yeah. um uh, so I was hoping that we'd get the the Danish lad at Sampdoria. That he was my sort of dream signing. Uh, what's he yeah. called? Hamsgard. Sampdoria. Yeah. 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 Shingard. Um, yeah. That would have been um, that would have been my sort of dream signing to round it all off. But overall, I, I agree. I think it's um, uh, as much as uh, as much as anything, the people we were able to to finally move on. We actually got some people because it was going. <laughs> It's going to turn into some kind of old people's home at one stage, wasn't it? Our, our dressing room because it was just more and more, you know, more and more clogged up. And I think they were going to have to move to the um, the NFL dressing rooms if we weren't careful with this, like fifty pegs. But moved them on, got you know a pretty good uh, yeah selection of um, you know uh, promising in the in the case of Hill, um, more than promising in the case of Romero. The only thing I did it did leave me thinking was how how poor old Potch must be feeling is. There's no clear indication as to where Levy suddenly um, found this money down the back of the sofa. But if we'd had this window two years ago, two windows ago, two summers ago, I should say, you know, all of our, the, the trauma of the last two years, the Mourinho debacle would have been possibly um, 
would never have happened. So it's strange that we suddenly got, you know, Paratici's come in and somehow twisted his arm into spending it. But yeah, I think, I think overall, more good than bad, I would say. Yeah. It's funny. We did spend that, that large amount of money on the last window of Pochettino's um, reign on Ndombele and Lachelso. And I think what we thought was that between them, at least one of them, maybe both of them, could be some kind of a lock picker. Yeah. And you actually look at their the attributes that they have. I think that must have been the thought, mustn't it? I mean, Lachelso is a neat and tidy technical player and has never had a run of games for one reason or another. Not really. He's not even getting a run of games now, of course. And he certainly won't now if he's going to be banged up. But that's another story which we'll come to. And Ndombele is a completely enigmatic figure, isn't he? Because he's just so immensely talented and full of tricks. And you think if he did, if he was super fit and super motivated and playing every game, he could be the man who, who unpicks the lock, you know. I, I wonder if both of them, this needs hardly needs saying, but I wonder if both of them were, were victims of the Mourinho experiment a lot because, I mean, La Chelsea was so in and out the team. And Ndombele, I felt, was being played as a part of a two-man engine room and it was required to do a lot of work and to, and to stay back and be, uh, you know, one of the holders, which, which seemed perverse to me. I mean, he, he's quite clearly a creative player. And I just wonder if, if he got a, a run as a sort of number 10, although with this 4-3-3 system, there is no number 10, is there, that um, Nuno's playing. But you just wonder if they both got, got a run of games, it might be different. But at the moment, neither of them are close to getting in the team. I'd say Lo Celso is the more likely person to, um, to work in this system. Because as you say, there is no number 10. But he could play. He could play as one of the two in front of the, a slightly more creative version of Hoiberg or Skip. He could play as yeah, one of I think two. so. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, um, more defensive players or, or where Ali's playing. Yeah, um, and uh, I think he did. I think he did all right out of. Um, fact, I think they both did all right out of Mourinho. Weirdly, in the in the end, because although there was the public falling out with Ndombele, they kind of made it. He got a good run of games. He had plenty of games to prove himself. Yeah, but never. But he always played him deep. I couldn't understand it. It's like playing Glenn yeah. Hoddle deep. I mean, obviously they're not the same player, but you know, he's yeah. so clearly his attributes are not about defending. But he made him do it. It's almost one of Mourinho's perverse things. You yeah. will defend. I'm going to turn you into a defender. Yes, so Lo Celso was just, he had a good run of games just after the first lockdown, didn't he? And then he got injured. So I say with him, it was more about the fact that he just wasn't, he hardly seemed yeah. to be fit all last season. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, on the subject of Lo Celso, and you've touched on this, Jake, you're a man with a with a legal mind. What the hell is going on out there with this situation with the old uh, Argentinian? I, I'm really confused because some people say Spurs allowed them to go. And then there's another completely contradictory story that says Spurs didn't give them permission to go. It seems to suggest that him and Romero actually left London without permission when they should have been presumably reporting to training in, uh, 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 you know, in Enfield. They actually got on a plane halfway round the world to play in a football match. They weren't permitted to play. Is that really what? Are you any clearer than I am on what's actually happened here? I, I think that's exactly what happened. I mean, I was I heard Alistair Gold, um, who we all sort of bowed down to with his knowledge yeah. of the club. And he seems to suggest that that's exactly what happened. The club went to them and said, look, we're, we don't want you to go. You're not allowed to go. The Premier League clubs are coming together and saying, we're not going to allow our players to go to the red list countries. And they said, we're off. Um, we don't care if we f- you fine us or not. Um, you're very rich. So, yeah, I mean, what, a couple of weeks wages for these lads yeah. isn't going to you know, yeah. touch the side. So yeah. um, 
And ultimately, you know, I've got some sympathy for the players. I'm not one of these who slag them off because there's a World Cup coming up in less than 18 months' time. Uh, and they know that those two are, you know, Romero is probably going to start, but not guaranteed. And Lacelso is pushing to get into the team. So I don't blame them. Um, but it's a nightmare for Spurs now. Apparently, the players are in Croatia. They've got to do 10 days there where they are training. Uh, and again, I, I think that they're definitely going to miss, obviously, Saturday against Palace. And we've got Wren next week, which they almost certainly will miss. Mm. But they could be back for Chelsea. Uh, but what condition they're going to be in, having spent 10 days in Croatia away from the squad, it seems unlikely that you'd put them into the first team anyway for the Chelsea game. Um, but a complete mess. And there's two more international breaks this side of Christmas. So yeah. what happens then? Like, yeah. God knows what's going to happen, really. And are they in trouble? I mean, they've got out of uh, Brazil, but are they in trouble in Brazil? There's talk of legal proceedings in Brazil and things like that, isn't there? Well, again, I think the Argentinians basically legged it straight after the game yeah. uh, and got out of the country um, straight away. I mean, it is just a complete farce. Uh, the scenes where you see the public health officials, the Brazilian public health officials coming onto the game and Messi coming out and negotiating. I mean, it's kind of the epitome of South American football, really. Uh, and I love <laughs> it, by the way. Um, but yeah. it is slightly bonkers. Um It's a complete mess uh, and they're going to have to try and sort it out before the uh, next break. What I am surprised is that Spurs didn't kind of see this coming because they can't do much. They can't lock these players at Enfield and keep them in the ground. But, you know, whether there is some sort of deal with the Argentinian Football Association where they could play one game. I mean, Romero, for example, suspended for the first game. Um, so it's slightly confusing as to why he went out there with the players. Anyway, I don't know. It's a complete mess. Um, and Spurs have got to get a handle of it before the next um, two. Because Romero in particular, we want to try and start basing our defence yeah. around him. Yeah. And at the moment, he's not going to spend any time at the training ground till January. It's so, incredible. I mean, it, it, it tells you what an extraordinary job the job of the professional footballer at the highest level is. Because in any other business, you know, especially with Romero, he's literally just started here you know, like a week before or something. And then he says, and they say to it, he says, oh, I want to go around the world and do this other thing. And they, and the employer says, no, you definitely can't do that. Sorry, no. And then he just does it. He's only been there a week because he knows he will not get fired. There'll be some, there'll be something in the contract that allows them to find him only up to a maximum amount. And he says, yeah, fine. All right, just find me, whatever. And you think, what an incredibly... Uh, cheeky thing to do when you've just turned up in a new place of work. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I'm way less sympathetic than Jake about this. I think every now and again, like we all fantasise about what it would be like to be involved in the management in one way or another of a football club, whether it's literally being on the and the coaching staff or you know in the boardroom or something like that. But then, but then it's things like this that make you think what a complete and utter nightmare it would be because you've got yeah. all these highly paid, yeah, idiots, basically yeah. children who. Do exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly what they want. Yeah. But the thing that really pissed me off about this one is that um, the thing that Jake referred to about them training in Croatia. So they got there was a degree of organisation. So they got Sanchez on board. He's going to South America as well. So hop yeah. on our private jet. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah. And the two lads from Aston Villa. Yeah. They've all pissed off to South America. Yeah. And and then they've they've made their own plan, presumably with their agents, that they'll go via Croatia. To because that's a um, that's a buffer zone, you know, where they can train there. It's fine. We'll, we'll get nice and fit there, and then we'll come back. Thinking they're going to walk straight back into the <laughs> yeah yeah. Thing. And but, actually, what sorry, what what Jake said about why we the only thing I do think the club have um, 
which doesn't look too good for the club, is that Villa at least came to some, did see yeah. it, some arrangement yeah. where they, they said you can't go, can't play in the third game. So those two were supposed to be coming back early, the Villa players, which we didn't even seem to have that arrangement because it, it, it's a big difference. If you played in the third game, it would have meant that they missed Chelsea and possibly yeah. Arsenal. And, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, maybe it's a matter of being, um, maybe the, the, the real lesson is that you'll never control them because they are children. Yeah. So yeah. you, you'll be you're pragmatic and make a deal rather than just turning turning a blind eye and thinking, oh, they'll never do it. Yeah. Maybe Villa were actually um, a bit more smart about it and thought, well, they want to go. We can't get into a fight. So let them do two games and come back for the games we need them for. But yeah. no, no one comes out of it well. It's it's actually really hilarious. It's like it's the basis for a, some kind of weird comedy where these that you they are totally untouchable because once they've signed the contract, not only are they paid so much money that you can't really hurt them financially, but, and you're you're the ones who are paying them. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is they're worth so much money as an asset. You know, you've got someone like Romero. Uh, who is young he's like 23 i mean he could potentially end up being worth 100 million pound and he's yours you don't want to piss him off particularly you don't what you want him to do is play well obviously for the good of the team but also for the appreciation of the asset so if he says no no sod off i'm going there's you know and there's nothing you can do about it Ta-da. apart from the two-week fine no problem that's kind of the weird um juxtaposition because on the one hand you're right these guys have done exactly what they want and they've ignored what the club has said but then we also have just seen for the last four months our star player desperate to get out of the club and desperate to move elsewhere I don't want to go back to Harry Kane and he couldn't yeah and he so can't there's a real yeah yeah so there's true. a real issue where you know these players do have a lot of power yeah. um at, at, in, some, a point. in certain scenarios but in others they have absolutely no power and we you know you compared it to an, any other job well you know, if I wanted to leave my place of work, I would leave. Um, and so, it, 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 you know, it goes in roundabouts, basically. So I think, you know, I, I, I'm not pleased with Romero and Lacelso, but I'm trying to sort of be a bit understanding. In, yeah. in their own way, though, all three of them, there were such big reasons why they shouldn't have done it. Because, um, as you said, the, them as individuals, one is Romero had literally just joined. So as you said, if you relate it to another job, the idea that you turn up at work, you haven't done anything because you're a little bit injured. You've been shipped in a Thursday night game against yeah. you know, Portuguese second string team, you know, second rate team. Lo Celso was part of the, the idiotic gang that went round to Lamella's house for, for the COVID breaking party last, uh, last Christmas. So he's already in there kind of bad books in that, in that little gang that did that and got pictured, you know, took a picture of themselves on Instagram, put it on Instagram when they're breaking, breaking the rules. And Sanchez, I'd have thought after being so useless for two years and suddenly having three really good games, you'd think, oh, this is great. Everyone loves me now and yeah. I can put them yeah. together here. But even he, yeah. he gets, they've all got their own reasons not to go. Yeah. Just a slightly depressing point is why has it happened to Spurs and Aston Villa, but Cavani didn't leave Man United's? Mm. Um, I know that I can't think of any other examples, but I don't think any uh, the South Americans have left City, have they? I don't know if Edison's gone. I haven't read anything about that. I no, might be none wrong. Of the, the Liverpool players didn't go. The City players didn't. Liverpool players didn't go. So I think it's a reminder that in the heads of some of these players, Tottenham's a big club. Don't get me wrong, but we're not Man United. We're not Man City. We're not Liverpool for them because they would prioritise playing for them and getting in the team. And actually, the prospects of playing for Argentina in a World Cup might do their careers complete wonders. I mean, if Argentina go and win it and Lo Celso stars, he'll think, oh, I could get a move to Real Madrid or Barcelona off the back of that. 
Now, I'm just, I'm, that, this is complete speculation, but it, it's a, it's a, perhaps a reminder that in the head in the heads of some of these players, we're not right at the top of the elite of world football or European football. No, that's a good point. That's definitely true. All right. Well, before we uh, move on to other matters, let's uh, let's take a short break. I just wanted to say that uh, for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. There are Spurs show live season ticket events in the offing. And a really exciting one to kick us off on the 29th of September. We've got Michael Dawson as our special guest at the Albany on Great Portland Street in the West End. And that is really exciting, I think. And if you go to uh, season.spursshow.net, you can sign up for the season. You get your season ticket and that gets you into all of our monthly events. And in October, by the way, we've got the very popular Terry Nutty Naylor coming back because he's got a book coming out. Nutty Naylor's book is coming out and he will be coming and talking to his extremely funny, very entertaining, lots of great stories and a real cult hero on the terraces. You'll remember him very well, Simon. I absolutely do. I also know, um, I'm sure you know this, but the the song that to the tune of Guantanamera, which now every club has their own yeah. version of it, was originated at Tottenham in the seventies because it, it won Terry Naylor. Was, yeah, was, yeah, because it fits I, the that's that's where it started. I didn't know that, but that yeah, makes where, so much that's sense. Where it started, yeah, yeah. So that we, makes we a lot of sense. The whole thing. He was brilliant when he came on before because he was a, a brilliant guest. And then a few of us went out and had dinner with him afterwards and he continued to be absolutely, you know, great company. Really, really good bloke. I, the story I love about him is that he used to live, I don't know if he still does. I don't think this is still true. It might be. For years he lived on Upper Street, uh, right in the middle of Guna country. Enemy country. Yeah, and he used to stride out, go down, walk down the street wearing a Tottenham <laughs> replica shirt. And you had two types of reactions from the Gooners. The young Gooners were like really weirded out by the, 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 the front because they didn't know who he was. And the old Gooners would say, Oi, what are you doing? And then they'd look at him and go, Bloody hell, it's, it's <laughs> Nutty Naylor. He's actually played for the Spurs. I can't believe it. And he used to do it to try just to wind them all up. I love that. So he's a top bloke. So he's coming in October. So we, I urge people to get uh, a season ticket for those events because they're so good because they're, they're smaller than our big, uh, you know, the, the summer and the Christmas show, which means you always get to meet uh, the guests and have a chat with them and they'll always do photographs and all that. And Nutty Naylor, Terry Naylor, will be signing his book that night as well, as well his new book. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, of course. And please leave us a nice review on iTunes because that's always a really, uh, that really helps a lot. Um, now, other matters. So uh, before we move on to forthcoming fixtures and team selections, which I think are quite fascinating at the moment, what about this news today that uh, Daniel Levy has been elected to the European Clubs Association as a representative of the, of the uh, Football League? Who'd have thought it after all that Super League business? What do you make of that, Simon? Well, he was. Um, it had to be somebody from. It was going to be somebody from a club that had been involved in that Super League business, wasn't it? And he went up against the, the guy from City, didn't he? Who, um, uh, there were the two of them put themselves forward to succeed Ed Woodward. And it turns out that we're more popular than City. I don't think that means that we're particularly pop- popular. No. I think, um, but apparently, yeah, Liverpool and Arsenal and several other clubs backed... Uh, backed Levy over City. But to be honest, I would, if I was looking at it as a neutral, if I, I've always said this about Levy, he's like, he's done an incredible job for us. He's hard as nails. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. 
if you if you you want you'd rather have them on your side than against you. So if you're those clubs, whatever it is that that you know that that organisation um, actually does. But if you you know if you want to represent the Premier League in in a European context, I'd pick him over anyone. Yeah, I, I guess that they've all had dealings with him and they know what a hard bastard he is and what a, a shrewd operator he is. So they think, well, let's send him in to bat. Yeah, definitely. Where, where are you on Levy, Jake? What a question? Um, look, I think I agree. You know, in, in rational analysis, cold-hearted analysis, I agree with both of you that he's done a great job. I mean, but when I started coming to Spurs pre-Levy days, the club has just completely modernised, become bigger, better. It's a, it's a better football club because of him. I still get frustrated at the way he, you know, runs the club at times uh, in in both the football and business aspects of it because. Um, I sometimes just don't think he considers the fans as much as he should. But um, I think that's a criticism of basically all football owners um, to a certain extent. In terms of this, when I saw the headline, I sort of gave a wry smile because his plan is to make sure that Spurs remain at the top table as and when something like the Super League emerges again. Um, we have to be there or thereabouts. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing for us. I'm not saying the Super League was a good idea, but um, he knows that we need to perform on the football pitch to some extent, at least, to make sure that we're still at the top table for him to reap the awards um, in a business way. So, you know, I don't think it's bad for Spurs. I don't necessarily think it's good either, but I don't think it can be bad. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about our uh, forthcoming uh, fixture, which is of course, Crystal Palace away this weekend. And suddenly the... So we've got 100% record. We haven't let a goal in. And you go to Crystal Palace. We've got a new manager, uh, Patrick Vieira, who's trying to change the way they play. They've had a lot of churn in the squad. A lot of players have left. They've tried to bring in some some new players. So you would, you would think that on paper, that is a very winnable game. But suddenly you look at the team selection. We've been unchanged, haven't we, in the three games so far. And I just wonder whether... Fate might have bowled us a curveball as we seek to go four four games into this hundred percent record. How do you see this team lining up at the weekend? So, for a start, if we're if we're missing Sanchez and we're missing Romero, Rodon, I don't think is fit. Then is our only uh, fit centre half, but uh, Premier League Player of the Month nominee Eric Dyer? Yeah, and Terry Naylor. Uh, yeah, well, if, and, and if if Eric Dyer is the only one, does he then move Tanganga into the centre? Because he he feels, I think, that Tanganga himself feels like he's more of a centre back than a right back. And does he then give a debut to Emerson Royale, or possibly thinking it's too early? Does he put Doherty in at right back? What do you think? Cool. Did you see the Chelsea? I know it was only a sort of friendly game, but. I love Tanganga. He's one of my... Yeah, me too. Um, but I think he is... Um, I think one of the clever things about the transfer window is they were after that um, Japanese lad from Bologna and clearly once Tanganga started and started playing well as a defensive right back, they didn't need... They wanted a more attacking option, so they've got that. So that's why they went for Royal. I think he's a really good defensive right back. I think he's probably really good as on the right of a back three, but he, yeah. he looked really bad against Chelsea in that... Um, as friendly a centre half as in a, a back four. Cent, in a, yeah, as a straight centre half. So I, yeah. I would be really surprised if he did that. Well, what would he do then? Who does he play alongside is, Dyer? Is, is Rodon definitely not fit? Well, I don't know about definitely, but he certainly hasn't had any games. So even if he came in, he'd be coming in pretty cold, wouldn't he? But I guess yeah. 
I mean, you've got to come in sometime, and maybe maybe Palace away is the right game to come in on in the circumstances. Maybe I wonder the if he might go three at the back just because of the players yeah. he's got and go um, Dyer in the middle, Davis on the left and Tango yeah. on the right. And yeah. Then you then can, you can play, play Royal and, and uh, Regulon. Yeah. But you do lose then one of the front three probably, don't you? Or Well, or one of the middle three. I think he's not a gambler, Noon. I, I think he's always a, he's quite a pragmatist. And I would, yeah. if I was guessing what he would do with the resources available, that's what I would guess that he might do. Yeah. Now, the other thing is that Hu Min Son has missed the second of South Korea's um, games with a knock. We don't know how bad it is. But if he's out, how do you see us lining up Jake further forward in the team? Do you think, I mean, I, I, I suppose if Kane's fit, please God, he doesn't get a knock against Poland because I'm sure he'll start that game against Poland uh, tomorrow night. But if he's fit, then you could easily just play Bergwijn and Lucas and have Hill on the bench. I suppose that's what he would do, would he? Well, I, I agree with Simon. I think he might play five at the back uh, and have Tanganga and Davis either side of Dyer. Um, that means you can play with a front two. And I wonder whether he'll play Kane and Mora if Son doesn't play. By the way, I think Son will be fit. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I've in my lunch break, I actually read the statement from the South Korean FA and it, it, he was not playing because he was being protected was literally the phrase. And yeah. uh, Son's the kind of player who who, who will play for an injury um, or play with a bit of pain. So I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. But if he doesn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I think Mora and Kane might start as a two. Bergwijn's yeah. been away on international duties, played every game for Holland, actually started and played well, Denmark. I think, from what I've oh, seen. Oh, Bergwijn, sorry, yeah. For oh, Holland, really? Yeah. 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 And playing on the left and playing well, which is great because I think he's a confidence player, but I wonder whether that means that he might pick Mora, who I don't think has been away um, and yeah. has, you know, had two he might be a bit fresher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Mora and Kane is, you know, quite handy as a front two with the three yeah. that have been playing in behind and then with wing backs. And yeah. that gives Regulon and um, either Doherty or, or, or the new lad Emerson real, you know, license to bomb up um, the wing. So I think that's what he might do. But I don't know about Rodon. I think Rodon has gone to to be with the Welsh camp and could play for the last okay. Wales game. I think ah. that's again what I just saw on social media. Okay, but well, if that's the case, a, then he could be he could be yeah. in contention. Yeah. Which would be it's great. A big ask to throw him in though against you know I think Palace are quite an underrated side. I know they started slowly. They've got some pretty good players who are just coming back from injury. I think they played quite well against West Ham. Uh, my mate is a Palace fan and was there and said they were better than the draw suggested. Um, I think it's going to be a really tough game actually. Yeah, and also Palace at home. They're one of those teams that do the crowd really are a factor, aren't they? Palace, especially against Tottenham over the years, that that crowd has really got. Whipped up for the London derby. Uh, we've also got to, we don't, God knows how many, I mean, you know, you look at Hoybier playing, of course, for Denmark. He, he, he's been playing football nonstop for, he played, I think, every game for Tottenham last season. He then played all the way through that, the Euros, and now he's playing nonstop again. I mean, he, he seems indestructible, but soon you do slightly fear for him. Skip's playing with the under-21s as well, so he's playing a lot. Daly Alley's had his feet up, at least. Yeah. But again, yeah, so there could be other other factors could come into play, couldn't they? I mean, Hoiberg just looks like he's always knackered. Even after one minute, they shoot to him and he looks absolutely exhausted. So I just think he's one of those players that probably can play a lot, although this schedule is going to test them. Yeah. Um, Deli Ali is just looking so fit and fresh at the moment. Um, mm. So it's, I, I'm quite pleased that he wasn't um, 
got the call up so he can have two weeks just getting ready for Spurs and keep his form up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's where we're at. What do you make of the new version of Ali Simon that of Delhi? The um, the sort of more slightly more of a, a sort of deep lying midfielder who's who's got who does work who works hard, you know, rather than just. Uh, flicks and goal, goal attempts up front. Well, if it if it continues to work, I much prefer it. It's apparently what I I never thought. It, it's I think uh, I think it's how he played at um, MK Dons, wasn't it? That's what that's the position he played in. So he was much right. more box to box, and then he sort of gradually sort of evolved into this slightly more um, creative and uh, and actually, you know, when he was good, uh, he was it was amazing when things were coming off. But he's one of the one of the, those type of players when it doesn't come off. Even if Mourinho's not your manager, it it really quickly looks like it's not working. It's such a confidence thing. So I think this this is um, a better. You know, he's still young. That's the thing. It's not like he's being converted into a, a box box midfield player later in his career. He's still mid twenties, so he yeah, he should yeah. be able to do that role. I think it's much more. I think he's the kind of player that looks better when he's more involved in the game. I honestly think that, and he used to drift out of games in that kind of really frustrating way. And sometimes he'd pop up and score a wonder goal, but more often than not, in the last eighteen months, he did nothing. He just drifted further out of the game and then just got substituted. So, a role like this, which gets him much more involved in the game. If I'm honest, if everyone was fit and not gone on their bloody travels halfway around the world, I would much rather see LaSalle a fit. Celso as the third of those three than Ali. I think he's a better player, and um, I think he'd be a more, to me, a more interesting. Um, he's left-footed as well, so it'd be just to bring a bit more variety to it. But I think, yeah, I think it's good what's happened to the. He's he's for the last couple of years. I've just assumed he would drift away from the club and get sold for a knockdown fee or something like that, yeah. and end up at you know Everton. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. but you know, I think it's been good. How, Jake, how do you, it, it, I mean, we, we, we're laughing and joking for the last two weeks about this fantastic league table. But, you know, looking at it, Spurs have been solid and efficient with getting these results in all three games in different ways. They've been very different games, obviously. How, do you, how much do you think we can feel optimistic about this season? And do you think we might even dare to hope for a top four finish? Well, I, I, so I think the tape, I mean, it's been great fun being top of the league and Arsenal bottom of the league, but it really doesn't mean much. And I think Nuno came out and actually said to the fans, don't talk about this. I mean, obviously no one listened, but don't talk about this because it's three games in and it doesn't count for anything. And actually, if you look at the performances, City was a great performance, but a specific type of performance. Um, the next two, we've won 1-0 away at Wolves. Great result, but we were lucky. And the Watford game was pretty uninspiring. So that's the evidence base to to, to, to look forward. Uh, you know, on the other hand, it could have been utterly disastrous if we'd got battered five by City, which could easily have happened, uh, and not won either of the other two games. Kane still not playing. Um, we could be in this international break really distraught. So inevitably, it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, can we get top four? I think we've got a 10 to 20% chance. I think Nuno's a decent manager, he's doing a good job, we've got a good squad, but it would need one of those big, big four to collapse a bit. And at the yeah. moment, I can't see that happening. Yeah. Simon, 10 to 20% or better than that? I'd say that's exactly, again, it's quite annoying that you're asking that joke <laughs> first, because that's exactly, I would, have, I would have said 15%, which is in the middle of it. <laughs> but, um, I think the real problem is what Jake said at the end, is it's not so much what um, you know we've seen in in relatively recent seasons that we can 
even if we play out of our skin, somebody else can play better like the year that we should have won the league. But Chelsea won the league, for instance. We couldn't have done any more. We won, you know, 17 out of, uh, 18 out of 19 games at, at home that year, I think. But, um, and I think the same might be, we might have a good season, but it needs one of those four to, to slip up. And they look, if I had to pick one, I think possibly Liverpool, because I think they've yeah. got a very thin squad. They've got a good yeah. starting eleven. But it, it drops off quite quickly after that, and uh, yeah. I would fancy us. I, you know, I, I'm not hugely optimistic when we take on Chelsea in a couple of weeks. United could be anything, but sort of have to be now. They really do have to to, to do something with Ronaldo. Yeah. Liverpool would be the one that I reckon we could pick off if it was anyone. I feel Liverpool and United have potential to drop out of the top four. Liverpool for the reasons you gave, but also because they haven't really changed, they haven't really evolved or changed very much. And that thing that Tottenham suffered from famously under Pochettino, where it's the same team, which was a good team, but it just, you do, you do need fresh faces. You do need to freshen it up and yeah. things become stale. And if you look at their first 11, I mean, it's hardly changed at all, really. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm struggling to think even now of, of any major new... I mean, Jota came in, but he doesn't always start. It was very often Firmino. Um, I mean, this window was a real non-event. I mean, Liverpool fans were very, very disappointed with it. So, although they're really good, they don't, they, they could... They could be stale, I think. And United have got the look of that sort of United... Do you remember United pre-Ferguson where they always bought the best players they always spent the most money but they never got close to uh, of doing much in the league they were they won the occasional cup you know and they were great when they were good they were very good they were good to watch but they don't seem like I mean this could be completely wrong obviously it's very early in the season they don't seem like a really solid results getting unit and buying Cristiano Ronaldo at the age of whatever he is 36-37 that that to me doesn't make them anything more like that because to some degree he he has to be a bit of a passenger they have to play around him and make you know he's not going to do much work put it that way he just it's just not what he does he didn't do it at Juventus he will score some goals needless to say but you've suddenly you know if you look at modern teams you look at the way man city play and Chelsea, they're so industrious, every single player. There is absolutely no let-up in their industry. It's, it's, it's a marvel to behold, you know. And United don't have that kind of setup. So I've got a sneaking feeling that United or Liverpool could could might struggle to, to finish in the top four. And if they do, somebody's going to benefit. It could be Leicester. It could be Tottenham. Uh, God forbid it's West Ham. <laughs> it won't be West Ham don't worry I'm, I'm joking don't worry it won't be West Ham well gentlemen uh, now what's happened is, is we've come to the end so what I need to do is do what I'm obliged to do contractually which is to ask you for score predictions for the next game I'm going to start with you Jake the Crystal Palace game give us your score 1-1 uh, draw okay Simon Okay, I'm really starting to get annoyed with Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Literally one all. But I, I feel yeah. I've got to change. I've got. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. saying one all is what I think it will be. But yeah. so that I've got a different thing to Jake, uh, I think I'm going to say um, two two. I think it'll be a okay. Two. Okay, I think uh, yeah, one one does look good. But I've got a feeling the way we are that we're going to nick it two one. A bruising encounter. It's going to be a bit like the Wolves game. But I think we're going to win it 2-1. It'll be, it'll be one all. It'll look like it's going to be one all. And then somebody's going to nick a goal late on. It's going to break Crystal Palace hearts and put the pressure on Brian Vieira. Hill. Brian Hill comes off the bench. Exactly. Exactly. Brian Hill. The new Gordon Hill. Yeah. Top man. Well, gentlemen, 
I cannot thank you enough. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, it's been a great, a great old tete-a-tete-a-tete. Uh, and uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Simon Delaney and Jake Richards. Thank you. This is Theo Delaney uh, saying, Kill you, Spurs! This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.